So let me get this, let me get this right, preacher. I went through about four heart attacks yesterday in Oxford and still made it home to go to worship. And you're going to start talking about money on this day? Let me get this right, preacher. Everybody else is at the beach. You know, it's fall break, but I stayed here and I'm in worship. And you're going to talk about money today. Yep. (laughs) That's what we're going to do. We're going to look to Matthew chapter 9. Reminding ourselves of what Christ has done for us, but also in this chapter, just to, and keep your Bibles open or keep your phones open in Matthew 9. We're just going to camp out for the next two to three weeks in Matthew 9. What, what is Jesus saying? What is Jesus doing? And, and we as Christ followers, what does that say to, to us as children of his kingdom? What do we need to be about? Because that's That's so much of Matthew's gospel. You know he owns that word. No other book of the Bible talks more about the kingdom than Matthew. That's a buzzword that you find on Jesus' lips as well as John the Baptist's first lips, uh, on his lips at at both of their first sermons. Yes, repent, but the kingdom of God is at hand. The, The kingdom of God is breaking in, and Jesus talks over and over again of what the kingdom of heaven, especially in Matthew, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is to look like. We talked about this Wednesday night at Bible study. John reveals to us in his gospel many things about Jesus. He's Lamb of God, yes, Son of God, but he's also the Word of God. Mark is very clear that Jesus came to be suffering servant for us, not to be served, but, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Luke reminds us throughout his gospel that the gospel, it's for everybody who will believe. That Jesus wants to be Savior for all and came for all who would believe. In Matthew's gospel, we see Jesus' Messiahship. We'll talk more next week about his kingship, and and today then, talking about what does that kingdom look like, especially in in Matthew 9, what does it share to us? And listen, some of it's tough. Some of it's tough. Listen, I made the mistake again of going, I had gone on Facebook this morning. Again, after football, it's not good to go on Facebook or Twitter, but I had to copy and paste something to send it out to our church app this morning, and there it was, staring me in the face. It was, a, it was a man who had, who had, had made a, a, a statement on Twitter, and I, I want to read it to you. Life's tough. He said, one time I was late to practice, and the coach made me run laps for it. My dad was the coach. And he also drove me to practice. <laughs> Sorry, kid. <laughs> you chose to ride with me. Get to running. It's tough. Some of the response here to Jesus is going to be tough. It's going to be costly. But there is so much here of our Savior and what he desires for us to do in us and through us. And it always goes back to what Renee beautifully said to us this morning about faith. It first goes with faith. It's either talked about directly in this chapter or implied over and over again. I read one commentary this week that said faith is not the cause of their healings. Jesus is. 
It's his power, his grace. Their faith is not the cause of their hearing, uh, healing, but their faith is the instrument for their healings. It's the prerequisite for their healings. Their faith mattered to Jesus. Let's just go back and walk through this chapter. Look in your Bibles or on your phone. Starting at verse 2, and, and listen, many of us miss this the first several times we read this passage. Whose faith is it in verse 2? It's not the paralytic's faith. Whose faith? Their faith. You all remember that story. They bring the paralytic. It's in Mark 2, and then it's here in Matthew 9. They bring the, par- the paralytic to be healed, and it's their faith, not just, not just his, but their faith matters to Jesus. Some of you have been carrying a loved one, a child, a parent, a brother or sister to the Lord. It's your faith. You're standing in the gap and having faith for that person. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a friend that you're standing in the gap going to bat for someone else. Their faith mattered. Now, ultimately, it's up to the person to respond but we all have that friend or family member that, that our faith is noted by Jesus, and it matters. My father-in-law had told the story to us recently. And listen, you've heard my stories about my father-in-law. Wonderful man of God who's risked for the kingdom. But when he was a young man, ninth grade, I told you about the detentions he had. I can only imagine what what he was at nine years old because he talked about a Sunday school class just for boys and this older woman decided to take on that class. And I just can imagine the mess of that class. Those fidgety, energetic boys just going crazy in that class week after week after week. And Dr. Joe shared with us that he came back to that church during college and gave his testimony about how the Lord had worked in his life in high school and what he was doing now and that he was on his way to seminary and reported that to the church. That Sunday school teacher was still there. And she says, I want you to know, Joe, every day, from that nine-year-old class on, every day I've prayed for each one of you by name. Each one of those nine-year-old horrors... (laughs) I've prayed for you every day by name. Dr. Joe went to seminary, and another, and another. Five kids from that class because of her instruction, and partly, I believe, because of her faith, are now serving the Lord throughout the world. Their faith mattered. And then you, then you go down to our passage, the faith of the synagogue official. My daughter has died, but come and you put your hand on her and she will live. Listen, resurrections were not typical. You may have one or two in the Old Testament, but they hadn't seen any work like that in centuries. And yet he's able to say, she will live. And it's the same thing in, in verse 22. Daughter, your faith. Listen, it's not faith in touching this garment. Maybe, and we've talked before, maybe that's the tassel of the garment. It's under, we'll talk next week about Christ's authority, maybe so, but it's not the garment. Peter, Peter, it's not, it's not if you go to Acts 5, it's not your shadow that's healed anybody. You get to Acts 19, Paul, it's not your handkerchief or your apron that does the healing work. It's the power of Jesus 
Christ, but it's, it's faith that's required. And daughter, you have faith. Your faith. And I want there to be no confusion. You've reached through the crowd, maybe catching me. We'll talk about it in a moment. Maybe catching me while nobody else will see you do that. Your faith. I want you to know it's your faith in me that's made you well. Dropping down to verse 24. This girl is asleep. She's not dead. She's asleep. And they laugh at Jesus. You ever laughed at God? You ever laughed like Sarah laughed about Isaac and having kids at that age? You ever laughed about what God says he wants to do in you and through you? Got to have faith that God will do it and Jesus puts his power on display and that little girl gets up. Verse 27, these two blind men cry out to the son of David, And the question comes, and it's for these two. Again, it's all about faith. Do you believe? Then let it be done to you according to your faith. And by the way, this is the second time, at least, that news begins to spread. Because of the faith of these people, but also because of what Jesus has done, news begins to spread like wildfire. The dead are raised. The blind are healed. That rarely happens. But then you get to verse 33, the, the freeing of the person possessed And the report there is, nothing like this has ever been seen in Israel. This kind of power put on display, and again, the news spreads. What a gift to our community. What a gift to your family and coworkers. Not just when the power of Jesus is put on display, but when you and I will have faith and, and make it known, I'm trusting God in this situation. In a situation that is hard, a situation that is heartbreaking, but I'm living by faith and I'm trusting my Savior, news will spread like wildfire. Do you believe that, that woman that goes to Madison, UMC, that, that guy that goes to Madison, UMC, he's actually, look at his, what's in his family, look what's in his work, look what's in his life, and he's still trusting and he's still believing news will spread. How important it is for you and I, just as this man in our passage, just as this woman in this passage, to have that kind of faith and just be, as the praise song says, just to be desperate for Jesus. I've shared this with some of you before, and we talked about it at Wednesday night and on our YouTube devotionals. But I had a professor one time say that people, and we were talking about this, our fam- my family was last night, uh, sometimes we say, well, people in Africa and people in South America, the reason the gospel's exploding there is because, you know, they're desperate. They don't have anything, and so they're desperate for the Lord. And, and a seminary professor one time told me, no, the gospel's explo- exploding there because they don't have anything to get in the way. They don't have anything to hold on to that gets in the way that, well, I'll just trust this. I'll trust him or her. I'll trust this provision. I'll trust my my job. There's just nothing in the way, and they can receive. Are we desperate for Jesus? I had heard one of the associate pastors here years ago, so I won't tell you who, but they were driving by a, a home and told one of our members, 
Are we going to stop at that home? And he said, no, we're not going to stop there. They think they don't need us anymore. I've got, I'm covered. I've got my stuff. I've got my life. Are we desperate in our faith for Jesus? You see it here with this synagogue official. You see it here with this woman. Faith. Faith in his power. But listen, it's also faith, as Lori sang for us so wonderfully this morning, it's not just faith, faith in his power to work, but what we're seeing throughout Matthew 9 is faith in his goodness. Jesus' desire for, for us to believe he wants to work. Look at these people in Matthew 9. They are not on the who's who list. I told you before, I made my confession uh, to you before that when I was in high school, somebody had left the best sprinter award in the office for years, and my dad was a principal, and it was in his office. Nobody claimed it for two or three years, so it's in my office now. I am the best sprinter of Richland High School, 1984. Wasn't on the team, but they even voted me best sprinter, I guess. Uh, I didn't tell you about another accolade I had. Now, I did tell you about my tennis. My senior year, my baseball coach let me play tennis, and I did tell you before I set every record for that tennis team because it was the first year of the team. So I set every record for the team. But what I didn't tell you, and I didn't want to brag, but I've been with you all long enough that I don't mind being a little puffed up. Um, first year team, first year for me to ever play organized tennis at all. Never played any tournaments, just walked out my senior year, and I finished the year all district. Not only was I all district in tennis, but I made it all the way to the second round of state. And the guy I lost to actually had his own tennis court in his backyard and only lost a service break. So that's unfair. All district. It's first year to play. It's amazing, right? Oh, I didn't mention this. Uh, not only was it the first year for our tennis team at our school, uh, but we were the only team in the entire district to have a tennis team. Uh, so I was all district. <laughs> And for some reason that year, our team got a bye into the second round of the state tournament. <laughs> I was not who's who in tennis in Mississippi. And none of these people are who's who. But Jesus loves them. And he's good. And he reaches out to them. You know, there's kind of this mythology back then that if you had a physical thing going on, you see it in John's gospel, there must be some sin in you or maybe your parents. You remember that in John? Here's this paralytic. What had he done? I wonder how he felt about himself. It's not just trusting in the power of Jesus, but trusting that he wants to work, that he desires to work. Then you get to the next story. It's about Matthew. Look, most of the tax collectors in that day were on the take. We trust by Jesus' calling of Matthew. He wasn't, but he still he still working with a, a bad government that's oppressing the people, there's no way Matthew's on the end. There's no way Jesus would invite him in. And then Jesus goes and sits, with, not just with tax collectors, but it basically says flat-out sinners. Both of those groups have to be on the outs. And Jesus reaches to them. Even the disciples are checked by John the Baptist, guys. You guys don't fast. How are you guys even in. Keep going down to our passage. The synagogue official, Renee said it right, most of those synagogue officials were not nice to Jesus. This woman has a blood issue. The audacity to reach out and to touch a rabbi. For a woman to touch a, a rabbi, 
not good. Read Leviticus. She's making everybody she touches unclean, not good. She's got to be on the outs, and Jesus heals her. I love, if you read the story of the, the two blind men, son of God, it's as though Jesus isn't just saying anything about their faith, but just read that again. It's like he's trying, I read a commentary this week, he's trying to evoke faith in them. I, I want to pull this out of you. It's you. You've got faith in me. Live in that faith. Everybody's, you would say, would be on the outs. And then you get to that last story of the demon-possessed man. You don't even worry with that. And it's just like Jesus to come to people who are not who's who and work and want to work. God is so good that that he removes our sin as far as the east is from the west, casts them away, right, into forgetfulness. But I remember. You remember your stuff? Some of the things you've done? Some of the things you've thought about that I've thought about? And yet Jesus desires to work in us and through us. You can't miss that in Matthew 9. How unworthy did this woman feel? How, how unworthy did she feel with that issue for years? Knowing, And maybe that's why she sneaks through the crowd. I don't want him to notice. I don't want anybody to notice. Let me just get in and get out because I need him. She pressed through those feelings and she got to Jesus. But listen, for some of us, we got to press through our feelings and get through and get past the voices of others who said God can't do that in you. As we're thinking about next year, how do you want me to serve? How do you want me to evangelize? How do you want me to give? We've got other voices saying God could never do that in you. you I wonder what the thoughts were of the disciples with Matthew. Come follow me. What are they going to think? I, got, I get what you think about me, Jesus. You, you said what a rabbi says to somebody when they want them to, to enter into a relationship there, and you're saying to me, you believe I can, I, can, I can believe what you believe and do what you do. But what about those 11? Can you press through that? This woman did. Matthew did. They believed Jesus more than they believed other voices. It can be a temptation in this season to say, especially this season over these last 18 months, I am too busy and I'm too tired. Let's just do what we did last year. And last year's been good, y'all, in terms of your faithfulness, in terms of finding ways to pivot and to serve and still try to reach out to our community and around the world. I'm, as I heard Steve say this morning, I'm so blessed by, encouraged by the ways we're doing that. But let's still be open. Not just faith in Jesus' power, that he can do it. He's got to do it. We're banking on him. But trusting, that's his heart. I know in the midst of this, we're tired. We're serving our family. We're serving our neighbors, trying to serve through our church. But trusting Jesus' goodness, I want, to, I want to even do something new. What will that be? You open to that this morning? To the power of Christ, but also his goodness and grace to work anew. Let's pray about that. Father, we thank you for all that we see of your son in Matthew 9. And we pray over these weeks as we look at his kingdom work, as we, as we surrender to his kingship and we see his goodness and kindness to us, just bless our response in this new season, this season of seeking you, trusting 
you and stepping out in faith. Thank you for this word. Bless now our response to it. In your son's name we pray. Amen.